It is no accident that we're in the letter to the Philippians. It's no accident at all. We're in it because of the season we're in. And for many of you, um, this isn't new. This isn't a new conversation that we've had um, on this platform and even face-to-face. -face. But we're in an unsettled year. Yeah, it's been a year like nobody can remember. We got the pandemic. We got racial unrest. We have the economic ups and downs and the losses of events and family members and friends and people moving. Everything seems to be in chaos. We have a political season that is full of election drama and division and screaming and yelling and frustration. And here we are, we're the weekend before. You throw in some other difficult things, um, painful, sad things, like the Dodgers winning the World Series. And this just makes a, just a, a horrible year. Uh, difficult, hard, frustrating time. The reason why we're in this letter to the Philippians is as this year was unfolding, and as we saw kind of around the corner to this, this moment, this election season, all the fighting and the frustration, we wanted to make sure we were clinging strongly to the gospel, that we were um, not letting other things form us and move us and to fear to take hold. And, and this letter to the Philippians from Paul in prison was designed just for that. And you remember the beginning of this whole series, 14 weeks ago, we talked about the singular focus of this letter from Paul. The singular focus of this letter from Paul was no matter what happens, and you can find this back in verse 27 of chapter one, no matter what happens, Live as citizens of the gospel of the king. That's how you should live. No matter what may come, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's going on around you, live as citizens of the gospel of the king. And that's what we want to be about. Last week, we talked about the fact that Paul um, looked at his past, looked at his life and said, Compared to knowing Christ Jesus, all of this stuff is garbage. Only it wasn't garbage. And church, I just want you to know, like, we, from the beginning, we have never uh, been political. Never been. We don't tell you how to vote. We don't tell you who to vote for. What's amazing is our church is made up of a collection of people who vote differently, have different backgrounds, different thoughts on how things should be run and done. And in, in our membership material, if you're a member of our church, you know that what, one of the things we wrote down was we are not an arm of a political party. I think there's just too much damage that has happened in uh, the, the proclamation of the gospel to side or to put a stake in the ground politically. Now, you might disagree with that. That's fine. Start your own church. I don't know. I'm just kidding. You, you might disagree with that, okay? 
but what I'm trying to tell you today is, um, you know, as, as a little kind of hint to last week, I could give a scubalon who you vote for. I don't care. What I do care about, what we need to care about as a community is who we are. What are we? We're a colony of the king, and, and that matters. And that matters more than any affiliation you have on this planet. It far surpasses anything that you could put your weight on in this life. Paul says, all that stuff, all my affiliations are garbage, are sewage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And that's how we live. Your Savior will not get elected on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it is. Your Savior will not get elected. Jesus is Lord. And I say that because we're going to jump into this next piece. And the reason why we strategize this teaching for this teaching and next week's teaching to fall on either side of the election is, is really actually strategic. So let's get into this. Verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So this contains a verse that is plastered on coffee cups and t-shirts. Um, <laughs> you've probably seen it before. Um, the press on toward the goal to win the prize. And the question I really have for us this morning is, is following Jesus hard or easy? Is it difficult or is it just kind of like, yeah, whatever? Um, is, do you ever get tired? Do you ever get worn out of this pursuit of Jesus? Do you ever get frustrated, discouraged? Um, do you ever want to throw in the towel? Do you ever get off track? If you've answered yes to any of that, you're not alone. That's me. That's Paul. Paul is being super honest in this letter about who he is and what his journey is. And, and if you left off, you know, we left off, Paul was looking at the horizon. He was looking ahead at the resurrection um, and that one day um, on, on the other side of the horizon that, that God would show up, that God would return, um, the resurrection would happen for all of us, that God would remake the cosmos, remake this world, and remake us in, in um, heavenly bodies, that whole idea of no cancer, no crying, no politics, no L.A. Dodgers, none of that, okay, in the future and God is and Paul is looking ahead to that horizon but here's what he says in verse 12 but I haven't obtained that yet I haven't gotten there yet um, I, I haven't arrived at my goal yet and the the word obtained there is lambano which actually is a graphic word um, that talks about a hunter 
catching his prey or, or her prey, this idea of like a, a pursuit um, and, and almost like a violent, uh, uh, um, what you would call apprehension of prey. And, and he says that, or, or have already uh, arrived. And the word arrived is the word teleos. And if you're a, if you remember back to uh, philosophy 101 in college, uh, teleology. Uh, teleology is the idea of the final clause. It's the idea of the end goal, what you were created for, what it's all moving forward to, okay? And Paul says, he's, he says, I'm not there yet. Um, I'm in transit. I have not arrived yet. Um, but then he goes on, he says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And, and he uses the exact word lambano um, three times in this passage. He uses lambano and then he used kata lambano and then kata lambano again. This idea that, that Jesus is a hunter after the prey and we were his prey. Uh, he hasn't obtained all this, but Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, he is pursuing Jesus. He is chasing after God. And um, this is the beautiful part about the gospel. This is what we know. Um, this is the story revealed to us through Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus of Nazareth, born in, in Bethlehem, uh, comes, from, uh, comes as Messiah, the Messiah of Israel. He, it all builds up. His life builds up and his teaching builds up to the cross. Um, God and Jesus is bleeding on the cross for the sins of the world. Um, and the whole goal was for, for God to draw us back into relationship with him, that God rescued us. There's so many images of God chasing us like, um, like a, a prey, like hunts us to draw us back to the living God. And all of your life and all of my life, in response to that hunting, in response to that chasing of God for us, is a response and a chase for God. Okay, all of our life is now a response back to Jesus. It's, it's not your Sundays. It's all of our life. It's not categorized and put in buckets. It's all of us, all of our life uh, as individuals in community. And Paul is saying, all of my life is a response to the Gospels. And he goes on and he uses brothers and sisters. Usually he uses this phrase brothers and sisters at the beginning of an idea or the beginning of um, a, new, a new theme. Um, but he uses it here and scholars believe it's like Paul is trying to reach through the letter and grab them and, and shake them and, and say, listen, he, he, he wants to get their attention. Listen, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I do not consider myself yet to have a lambano it, okay? He says, he, says, he goes on, he says, uh, this idea of, of consider is this idea of calculate, right? Um, he's like, I've crunched the numbers. I've crunched the numbers and I'm not there yet. I'm not back here where I was before, but I'm not there yet, right? And so he's like, I'm somewhere here. 
uh, and I've done the logic, I've done the math, and he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of the upward call of God in King Jesus. Now, we'll get into that little translation difference that I just shared with you, but there's three moving parts in this piece that we're going to race through together on our way to uh, coming to the table, coming to communion together, okay? The first is this, forgetting what is behind. Paul is um, telling the people in Philippi, he told them his past. Um, obviously, you're like, well, he didn't forget his past. No, he told them his past. Um, and, and remember, we talked a little bit about Paul's past last week. Not the past that is uh, set out in Scripture, but uh, some of the past that we've uh, scholars have dug up um, and learned about Paul based on his writings and his historical context, that Paul had quite a bit that he left behind to follow Jesus. And um, the reality is Paul hasn't forgotten all that. But what he's saying here is like, that no longer has a hold on me. I'm, I've, I've put my bags down and I'm running the race. Now, in order to run a race, you need to be as light as possible. And that's what Paul is getting at here. Uh, and he's saying, hey, Philippians, do the same thing. Put down your past. Put down those bags. Put down that stuff that is keeping you from running this race. Um, and now some of you are, you know, probably going, well, hey, are you just telling us to move on and to forget all the, the horrible things that have happened to us? No, I'm not. But I'm actually, um, uh, I'm, I'm leaning into you right now to say there are things that have happened in your past that you haven't dealt with that you will never let go of and leave behind because you have chosen not to face. Meaning, Pretending like it didn't happen and trying to not think about something isn't what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, all this stuff happened to me. All this tragedy happened to me. All the poor decisions in my life that I made, okay, I've come to grips with and I'm leaving it behind. For some of you, that actually means you might have to do some hard work. That you cannot go any further in your walk with Jesus until you get real serious about your family of origin and all the hurt and the baggage that has come with you in your life. Uh, for some of you, it's actually guilt and sin and shame in your past. Uh, sins uh, done by you that you need to sort out, that you need to get with someone and confess and, and um, bring to light, bring God's loving light of grace upon that area of your life. Um, you just need to know something that you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are in Messiah. We talked about this last week that when God sees you, he sees Christ. And when God sees Jesus, he sees you. That whole idea is, is, is real and, and absolutely something we can hold on to and trust that in the waters of baptism, we die with Christ and we're raised to new life. And and your past mistakes and your past sins and your past 
um, hurts that you've levied on people in your life do not define you. And maybe you just need to hear that again today. Who you are becoming, who God has set you up to be, is who you are. And that is who we are. So, so maybe you need to uh, come clean on some things in your life and, and to take that weight off of you so that you can run this path, run this race that God has for you. Um, and, and for the people that have sinned to you, you know what? The same thing applies. The people who have sinned against you, the exact same thing is true. Remember Jesus' words on forgiveness. Jesus has some strong words on forgiveness. These are those uncomfortable passages in Scripture. Um, if you do not forgive, Jesus says, neither will you be forgiven. And remember that little gem because um, that wrestles with us every single day. It wrestles with us in different seasons of our life. Remember, all of our life is a response, okay, is a chasing after the God who chased after us. And so our forgiveness is in response to the forgiveness offered us. We set people free because we have been set free. And, and so you need to forget what is behind. You see what Paul is doing here? He's like, let's put these bags down. Let's work on figuring out how to take this stuff off so we can run the race. I mean, here's the thing. I wish my mind and my heart were like a computer hard drive and I could just click and drag something and hear that cool Mac sound that sounds like a crumpled piece of paper, right? Like, I wish that was what happens, but it doesn't happen that way. This is uh, Walter Hansen. He says this, forgetting is not a passive loss of memory. No, it is an active, continuous discipline of the mind and heart. Although he, and he's talking about Paul here, although Paul did not actually forget the past, he emphatically chose to disregard it. And listen to this. He's, he forcefully rejected it. He openly declared a non-observance of the past. See, many of us, we have um, a habit of, of observance of the past. We just keep rehashing things that are painful in our life. And we keep blaming things on people. And we keep frustrated. Paul says, I am not going to bring that with me anymore. I'm not going to do it. I love that line, a continuous discipline of the mind and heart. He's like, I will not give that time. I will not give that space in my head. I openly declare a non-observance of the past. And I think there's just a few questions for us to wrestle with as we finish that first little piece here in these three blocks he's building. He says, basically he's saying, like, what do you need to forget? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to pry your fingers off of? What chapter needs to get closed in your life for you and I to run this race? What needs to happen? Second block is he's talking about straining forward. Okay, um, this word straining in the Greek um, is, a, is a really graphic word picture of to exert your body, okay, to the point of collapse. Now, 
I don't know if any of you have run a long race, uh, marathoners talk about the wall and hitting the wall and how there's just this moment physically where there's just nothing left and it's just your mental will has to take over. Um, I remember, gosh, man, it was probably maybe 12, 15 years ago, um, the movie 300 came out and a bunch of the guys I knew were like, hey, there's this exercise, there's this workout called the 300 workout. We should do it. We got together at a buddy's gym and we did this. You can look it up, the 300 workout. It's a, it's a for time workout and it ruined me physically. I mean, I worked so hard. I'm competitive. I'm trying to beat all these guys. At the end of it, I laid on the ground and, and for a half an hour, the room was spinning, okay? Like, it's nuts. I cracked up the other day because my wife, Angela, um, I don't know, that was weird to say my wife, Angela, you know Angela. Angela bought a friend um, a, a t-shirt, a workout shirt that says, but did you die on it? And it's just hilarious, this idea like, um, what really, like when we go through our lives, um, what what um, heavy stuff has come to our way? Like, what is this idea of straining through um, these things? And there's there's the moment that you have to make a decision, and, and, and this happens to, in us physically, to push through. And Paul says, I press on towards the goal. That's what he's saying. The goal, okay, is Christ, is, is the resurrection, is the one day in the future. And he's like, I'm focused on the goal. If you've ever run track, uh, track and field, um, one of the first things your coach will yell at you all the time is don't look to your left and right. Don't look behind you, especially. The goal is to keep your head straight. Don't pay attention to where everybody else is. Run your race. And that's what Paul is saying here, I am focused. Um, I'm not wandering through life aimlessly. I'm focused on the goal. And the question is, what about us? You know, at the end of John's gospel, there's this interesting conversation that, that, that Jesus is having with Peter. And he's talking about Peter and his life. And, and he's asking Peter a set of questions. And it's revealed to Peter that he is going to die a certain way. And Peter turns the question around. He says, what about this guy? And he's referring to John. Um, and, and Jesus kind of comes back at him and he says, what is that to you? What is that to you? I have a race marked out for you. And what, what does it matter what happens to John? And so the question, the other question that comes up for us this morning is, what is distracting you? What is in your periphery right now that is like keeping you from focusing and straining towards what is ahead? Is it fear? Is it um, how others are living and acting? What, it, what is it that is pulling you, your eyes off of, the goal. And then the last one is this. It's the idea of being in it to win it, right? Um, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a tricky one 
because I just don't think it's translated well. A uh, number of the scholars that I pay attention with um, collectively kind of come up with the translation of to win the prize, okay, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of the upward call of God in King Jesus. There's no heaven word in the Greek. Of the upward call of God and King Jesus. Now, the idea here, the imagery behind this is the idea that in the Greco-Roman games, the main event, and some would say really the only event, but the main event um, was a foot race, uh, just a straight foot race. And uh, it was like the crowd favorite. It was the biggest deal, the fastest guy, you know, from all over um, the known world. The fastest guys would be there. And what would happen is this race would begin, and the one who won, who crossed the finish line first, would continue running up the steps towards the throne of the Caesar of the day. And when you got to the top, uh, Caesar would say your name, would say your father's name and the country you came from, and would have put a prize, okay, on your head, would anoint you with this prize. And Paul is saying, I want to run the race, and I want to make it all the way to the resurrection, on, and I want to stand in front of the judge, the king of the universe, and I want to win the prize. That's what Paul is saying. He's like, I don't want to give up. I don't want to drop out. And the metaphor here is really interesting because scriptures, the scriptures clearly teach, and this, sometimes this is hard for us to hear, but that there is a direct one-for-one -one continuity, okay, between how you and I live now and the life that is to come. That's what scriptures talk about. And so this is very clearly thrown at us in the parable of the ten servants. Um, the servants that uh, the master leaves. Jesus tells this parable. The master leaves and he gives everybody uh, a mina, okay, uh, a monetary amount. Um, and then years go by and the master returns. And the master starts asking questions of his servants. And the first one says, yeah, you gave me this mina. And um, here's 10 more. And he says, well done, and gives him even more. Um, and then the other one says, I've got five, and well done, here's five more. And then he comes to this one guy. And this one guy had the mina, and he buried it. He dug a hole, and he buried it. He was afraid... He didn't want to lose it. He didn't, you know, whatever you want to read into that. But the idea was the, the master says, hey, you, you botched it. I gave you one thing. So he took that and he gave it to the one who had 10. And we read that and especially as Westerners and we go, well, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair at all. Um, and that's kind of the point. <laughs> that's kind of the point. The, the idea here is how we live now matters. What we do with what we have now matters. It matters now and it matters down the road. 
And so what, we, what will we have to show for the life God has given us? What, 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 do we, what do we do with what God has given us in this moment, in this season? And the reality is, and I just want to be like, this isn't a popular thing to say, but the reality is we will all stand in front of the king and we will give an account for our lives. And some of us will actually show up empty-handed. And the king will say, you had 60, 80, 100 years of life. What did you do with it? And that's what Paul is getting at here with the Philippians. Um, N.T. Wright says this, one of my favorite quotes. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but... And this is our language of this series, to colonize earth with the life of heaven. Okay? That after, that, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is about. What is the Lord's Prayer? Jesus is saying, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And by praying that prayer together, by making that part of our daily liturgy, what we're offering is ourselves as a way to make that happen. We are a colony of the king. We are here to heavenize the world. Paul says, I want to, once I get to that day, I want to have something to show for it. I want to show the king what I've been up to. And, and, and even if it's a five meanings guy, you know, whatever, it's like I did the best I could. So my question for us today is, are you running to win the prize? Are we running to win the prize? Are we, uh, well, or how about this? What has God put in your lap? What has God uniquely given you to do something with? Are you running to win? Um, and then he goes on to verse 15. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I love that. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Paul is it's interesting, Paul talks about not being there yet, and then he talks about being there. It's like, uh, he's like, I, I'm not mature, I'm not telio, but I, I am um, mature. And, and so it sounds like a contradiction, but the idea behind it is Paul's maturity is found in the fact that he knows he's not there yet. That's the beauty of this passage. It's, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a rhetorician. He's, he's using rhetoric. His irony is that um, knowing you're not there is actually a sign of maturity, right? And, and so this all comes from the Hebrew wisdom literature, this idea that a, a fool doesn't take a rebuke, um, but the wise person, um, there's a passage in the wisdom literature, it's like, slap me seven times, right? Like the wise actually want correction, actually want to be pushed on in their life. And that's a mark of humility to go around life learning and asking and wondering and open to correction. And the idea here is where are we needing maturity in our lives? Where do we need to grow? Where are you not at the end yet? The idea is that every day is, is part of the race to maturity. And and I love when Paul says, and if some of, at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul's not like, hey, 
I'm going to wrestle this idea into your head. He's basically, he's not angry. He's not shouting. He's just like, God will make it clear to you, right? In, in a day and age where you think that your social media post is going to change someone's mind, you need to give up on that, okay? Um, listen, if God wants to change someone's heart. God's going to change someone's heart. God's going to change your heart. God's going to wrestle you in this as well. And then verse 16, it says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. He's like, you have come so far. He's looking back on the history of this church in Philippi. We think over 10 years and how they started as this collection of, of misfits. And they've come so far. And he's like, don't give up. Don't stop. Don't drop out. The best is yet to come, Paul says. It's, 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 it's right over the horizon. I, um, I do a lot of work with churches, um, not just ours, but I help church plants and I sometimes help churches that aren't doing so well. And um, one of the things I've noticed about churches is the minute you start looking back in your past as a church and saying, man, those were the days. Those were the days. That's actually when you're starting to die as a community. Church, I want to just tell you, I want to encourage you that this is a weird season. We have not been able to meet indoors together in something like 32 weeks, give or take. But I feel like we're stronger than we've ever been. Back at the beginning, we talked about how we want to be more aware of the needs in our world and our neighborhood. And I'm hearing stories from many of you. Hey, my neighbor needs this. My, you know, we're reaching out. We're doing meals for this person or that person. Um, I'm just so thrilled to hear how you have been pushing into your world. We also talked about how we're going to try to be more connected than we've ever before. And the, the stories are uh, from the house churches, the Zoom community, the reaching out uh, it's not perfect and maybe you feel left out. And I just want you to know, we don't want you to feel left out. If you feel disconnected, email me personally. You can find my email. I, I, I want to pull you in. I, wanna, I want you to experience care right now. Um, but many have felt more connected than ever before. But God is calling us forward. We're not looking back. God is calling this community forward. Do I know what it looks like? No. Do I know how it's going to look or when, timetable? No. But I know that God is pulling us forward. He's, he's creating in us a community that is transforming every day at the moment. What is God calling you forward to? To chase after to hunt after God's calling in your life. Now, are you tired? Many of you are like, yep. Are you weary? Absolutely. Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary and I will give you rest. There is rest, there is peace. Are you confused? The spirit wants to come as the, as the great counselor 
Make space for the Spirit. Make space for Jesus. Reach out. Many times the, the, the healing and the encouragement we get from the Spirit actually comes through our community. Reach out. Call somebody. Text somebody. Email somebody. Reach out. Let's run this race together. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this moment. We are in a moment of, of division and, and frustration and discouragement. We are called to be different, though. You've called us to live like Jesus. Jesus was the most non-anxious human being to ever walk the earth. Jesus trusted the plan. Jesus was fulfilling the hopes and uh, the obligations of Israel that they could not do. And Jesus walked towards the cross, knowing that that event and that moment and that sacrifice would be what would pull us close to you. That Jesus would defeat sin, the sin that actually has had a hold on us, would break that free from us so that we could be in relationship with you, that, when, that we, we are seen by you because you see Jesus. So grateful. Help us to run this race. Help us to push forward, to strain forward, to press on. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, the King. Amen.